Welcome to the Got Your Six podcast. This podcast brings together current service members and veteran high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas delivered in an informative and most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the boardroom. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash, and into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. I got your six. Sixers, what an absolute treat we have. Dr. Janelle McCauley is here with us. Doctor, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Tony. I'm excited to be here with you and your listeners. So on the Got Your Six podcast, we really highlight, you know, how you leverage your time in the military and how you're applying it now. With all the different organizations that you work with, what would you say is one thing you constantly implement from your time in the military? So I think the really unique thing about a military career and experience is the ability to do various things underneath one organization. So in my career, I was able to collect a few degrees and get educated and ask interesting questions and critically think, lead people, and then become a technical expert, you know, at my craft, which was flying airplanes. So within that, I think it makes you a very versatile and holistic leader. And I think that is extremely valuable, both to your continued military experience and your ability to impact out in the civilian world. If, I will caveat this with, if you take advantage of the opportunities that exist, because I think there's some of us that spend our careers just stovepiped in, you know, our specific skill set, and we don't take advantage of applying for programs or seeking out new and different opportunities to broaden our perspective. How did you come to that conclusion? Was it because you were presented with these opportunities or did you have a mentor along the way that really helped guide you down that road? I think it actually started with the way I was raised and my parents instilling this idea that I wanted to be in the driver's seat my entire life, which meant I needed to create more opportunities for myself so then I could make a choice as to the direction I would go instead of being in a position where there was only one choice in front of me. And so even when I went to the Air Force Academy, and I, and I think this is even just going to college, right? Applying to many different colleges to see what is the right fit for you. Then when I was leaving the Air Force Academy, I applied for various different programs from pilot training to graduate school to physical therapy school so that I could actually choose, right, the path that I wanted. Part of that also is developing the mindset that you don't always have to do it the same way that everyone else does. So having that kind of open mindset and way of looking at your future where you can create a new path for yourself, one that resonates within an authentic space for you, um, not just because, hey, my boss did it this way, or I see a certain person that has accomplished something, so therefore I must accomplish everything that they did if I want to get to the end result um, of my career. Because I think we will sell ourselves short if we block, you know, ourselves into thinking along those lines. So that's been something that I think that having that open mindset and that ability to also try things, right? I think a lot of people will see these opportunities and they don't even want to apply because they're afraid that they may get an unfavorable result from it or not get 
accepted and the pain that comes with failure. But I think what also comes is experience and learning and growth. And you don't have to see it as a failure of something. You could just see it as that was not the right opportunity for me in this moment, but these other things were. And so how do I chart a course that makes sense um, for being true to myself and the vision for the future I want to have? Right. And that's particularly important too, because I know you talk about this a lot, but self-selecting doesn't allow you to live a life of meaning and purpose. Absolutely. And I think the first part even to that is figuring out what meaning and purpose are to you. Many of us live in this, and this is, I'm going to geek out on some of the science, but the science about how we make decisions in our personal lives can really be boiled down to this idea of do you make values-based decisions or rules-based decisions? And most of us have made rules-based decisions. That is where we say things like, well, my mom and dad think I should do this, or my boss gave me the advice that I should pick this career field, or a teacher, right, a mentor. And those are very powerful you know, mental traps we can find ourselves in where we let the rules or the expectations drive and guide our decision-making instead of allowing our values to guide us. Now, if we haven't done the work to figure out what our values are or where we find purpose, then rules-based thinking is the default, right? We will let external influences guide our decision-making. And so two takeaways from this is to ask yourself, I, I say these are the three most important questions you can ask yourself in this journey of values-based thinking. And that's, you know, what is it that I value? So what's most important to me? Where do I find purpose? And how do I define success? And to remember, there's no one right answer to these questions. There's just your answer and your journey. So reflecting and, and really getting to the heart of what makes you, you, and what gives you purpose, what allows you to be more present in your life, where you get passion. Um, understanding the answers to those questions will guide you down the values-based thinking path. And if you haven't done that work, which a lot of people haven't, they will default to rules. And so the second just caveat to this is I really think people who are in leadership positions, and I wrote an article on this um, for LeaderCast, but the idea was stop giving advice if you're a leader. Like give mentorship instead. And what I mean by that is as leaders, we tend to think if somebody comes to us and asks us, oh my gosh, what should I do with my life? Or what career path should I go on? Or should I take this opportunity or not? Our initial instinct is to tell them, if I were you, this is what I would do. But when you're in a power position in a relationship, whether that's as a mentor or a leader or just someone someone looks up to, you are automatically going to create rules-based thinking in that moment, which is very powerful, especially for individuals that haven't done the work to understand their values. So then they might pick a decision based on a mentor's advice or a leader's advice, and then they find themselves waking up one day thinking, oh my gosh, how did I get here? I'm, very, I'm not happy and this is not what I meant for my life. So instead, as a leader or a mentor, we need to ask the right questions, which are, when you know people are faced with these tough decisions, what is it you value? What's most important to you in this moment? Where is your definition of success? So then you know, right, if you have that vision, then you can align your path. So that's just a little sidetrack into the science of how our minds work. But I think it's really important as we explore the opportunities that are in front of us. Not only does it apply to your you know, professional life, but in your personal life, right? 
we've had constant guests on the show talking about, you know, teenage adversity and especially being in the military, that constant move as a parent, I'd love to get your thoughts on how do you handle that? So messaging and language is really important, both in, you know, the work that I do in mindset, how do you build a high performance mindset that sees stress? in a new and exciting way instead of in an overwhelming and degrading way. Um, and so part of it is the language you use both with yourself and so that you can model the right behaviors for your children, but then also the language you use with your kids. You know, there's probably been many examples when we tell our kids, hurry up, put your shoes on, go, 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 stop looking at the butterflies, right? Like get out of the present moment. You should be anxious. You should be in a rush. And that's not... Normally, like there are kids who have some just anxiety themselves, but many times we as parents like create the environment where they are learning, right? That I am supposed to be in a hustle. I am supposed to be stressed. I am supposed to be like always, you know, go, go, go um, because of the behaviors that are in my environment. So as parents, we really need to bring awareness because I think that's what we lack. It's not like any parent in, in intentionally wants to create, right, these habit patterns in their kids. We do it without awareness. And so creating awareness is really the first skill set in solving these problems. And then once you're aware of what your behaviors are doing, then you can start to change your behaviors as well as the language you're using, both with yourself and with your kids. Um, you know, one one day, I we recently moved to Utah, and I learned how to ski. I was always a snowboarder. And so I learned how to ski my son, he was like six years old at the time. And I was teaching him how to ski too, or we were learning at the same time. And I remember standing at the top of like this black diamond one day and we're both looking down and I'm like, okay, all right, Andrew, we're going to dissect this. We're going to go this way first because it looks a little bit flatter. And then we're going to stop and we'll reevaluate. And the next thing I know, he just goes, bye mom. And like takes off down the mountain. And it was that moment that I was like, oh my gosh, there I was about to create anxiety and fear in him where he just wanted to have fun. And we as adults lose our connection to joy, right? We lose our connection to the fun and the things that we do. And we're always like scanning for threats. And that's because our brains tend to go into survival mode. And when we're in survival mode, that is what we see. We we seem to get overwhelmed because we make this internal calculation that I don't have the resources to meet the demands of this particular moment. So therefore I must need to be stressed. And so with some awareness and with some training, we can actually change a lot of the ways our minds um, adapt to those stressful situations. And instead of going into survival mode, we can actually start thriving um, and make more rational decisions. But it takes, again, just like the values-based thinking takes work, nothing with the mind is easy. So we need to deliberately and intentionally practice this focus on it for ourselves, and then we can definitely use the right messaging with the people that are most important to us, right? The kids that we're trying to raise to be confident and high-performing. Absolutely. So then what are you working on right now to make sure you're maintaining awareness and you're not losing that sense of fun on your purpose-driven mission? I love that question. So my journey with mindfulness or what I really call my mental push-ups, my daily mental push-ups, that is probably the number one skill set that I have found to be beneficial in my journey of being authentic and being fully present. I, you know, spent 20 years in the military as a very highly anxious person. 
um, that listened to a lot of the stories inside my head that would tell me to like, keep going, stay in the hustle, or you're not doing enough, you need to do more. Really living my life stressful moment to stressful moment so that even when I was at the pinnacle of my success, many times I wasn't even able to enjoy it because I was already thinking about the next thing, right? The next stressor. And maybe some of your listeners can really relate to that. Um, Because, you know, you would tell, you would make these deals inside your head, things like, well, as soon as I'm done with this project or this school program, I will finally pay attention to my kids or my spouse. Or as soon as I'm done with this command assignment. That mental negotiation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? As this command assignment, then I'll take care of myself, right? I'll start working out like as soon as this happens. And in the meantime, another milestone's right behind it. And then you make another deal. And so our minds will play these types of games and, and take us down these rabbit holes So my greatest skill set to help me live authentic and purpose and to be the guide and model that I want to be for my children is really my daily mindfulness practice, doing my mental push-ups, training my mind and my attention system to live more on the play button, right? To get out of this deal-making and this iPod of our minds where we catastrophize about the future, we worry about the past, and just start to live more present and in the moment. And that in and of itself has been transformative for my personal and my professional life because it has allowed me to accelerate my professional success without having to sacrifice my health and relationships along the way. And then that's the greatest gift I can give to my kids is to help them see that they can be high performing and badass, but they don't have to be unhealthy or unhappy in doing so. And with those mental pushups, right, like any fitness routine, right, it's, you should cater it to you and your goals. What do your mental pushups look like? So the way I really teach and train mental pushups is you should do about 10 to 12 minutes a day. Um, that's really the sweet spot in the research to get the most benefit of keeping your mind and your attention system present. You know, when I talk about our attention system, I want you to think of it like a flashlight, right? Your attention system can be focused on what's going on right in front of you, or your attention system can be focused internally at your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. So high performance happens when our flashlight is external, right? Not when it's internal. We need to keep our flashlight external and that's our attention system, right? That's where our focus goes. And so with that, you need to do about 10 to 12 minutes of training, right? Mindfulness is a, and mental pushups is a training of the mind to keep the attention system on the play button. So what I have personally found though, is if I do like 10 minutes in the morning, by about two o'clock, those mental pushups like have worn off and I start to get anxious again. So what is more effective for someone like me is to do 10 to 12 one minute intervals throughout the day. Then it creates more mindful awareness for longer periods, right? And it also creates these brain breaks. You know, like we spend all day like, running here, running there, doing this, doing that. And I have found that, you know, before I walk into my office, I'll do a mindful minute. When I leave my office, I'll do a mindful minute. When I pull my car up somewhere, I'll do a mindful minute before I walk in. Or if I pick up my kids from school, as soon as we get home, I send them inside and then I'll do a mindful minute in the car just so that I can remind myself to be present now. So that's kind of what my practice looks like. And when I say mental push-ups with your attention system, If your listeners want to try, we could actually do a mindful minute because I I think that's the most powerful and tangible way to to start this practice because everybody can do a minute, right? Everybody can do a minute, at least one a day, you know, the next time, right? And, and, And here's the thing. We sit in line 
places. We sit at red lights. We wait in waiting rooms. We're, you know, and almost automatically you pull out your phone without even thinking about it, right? When you're in those moments of boredom and you start scrolling. Instead of doing that, I'm going to ask you the next time you're bored and you pull out your phone, think, ah, Dr. McCauley told me I'd pull out my phone. I'm going to put it back in my pocket and I'm going to do one mindful minute, okay? And all that means is that for an entire minute, you are going to pick one particular sensation of your breath. Maybe it's the way the air goes in and out of your nostrils or the rise or fall of your belly or chest, but pick a single sensation of your breath, focus intently on it for an entire minute, right? Your flashlight is focused on that, that sensation. Now, in the span of a minute, your mind will wander. It's just what our minds do, right? They're fantastic at mental time travel. So when we're holding on our breath, our our flashlight starts to chase the thought. What I want you to do is first, you have to be aware that you're chasing the thought. You let go of the thought and then you bring your attention system right back to your breath. And then you start focusing on it. And then when your flashlight starts to chase another thought, let it go, come right back. And every time you lose focus and refocus, you're doing a mental push-up. Right, strengthening the, the attention system to be on the play button of your mind. So that's, in fact, let's do one together. You want to try one with me? Let's do it. That's why we're here. All right. Awesome. Okay. So I ask that maybe you just like sit up straight. If you're driving your car right now, please do not close your eyes. That's the only thing I'll say if you're listening to this in the car. But like take a nice deep inhale and exhale, kind of relax through your shoulders and lift through your head. Again, you can keep your eyes open or closed. If you're in a safe position to do so, or you feel comfortable, you can close your eyes to limit any visual distractions. And what we'll do is we're going to focus intently on a particular sensation of our breath for an entire minute. All right. So one more deep inhale, exhale, ready, and begin. And stop. All right. So maybe you did, maybe you did four or five push-ups. Maybe you did 20 push-ups. Maybe you did 60 push-ups, which is totally cool. This is a practice. Um, but the key is that you are becoming more aware of where your mind is taking you, right? It's kind of like, have you ever read a book, right? And you get to the bottom of the page and then you think you're in, you're in a school program. So I'm sure this happens to you all the time. You get to the bottom of the page and then you're like, I don't, I don't remember what I just read. Happens probably more than you want it to. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's why we took a speed reading class here to to retain it better. But yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, and sometimes you might even have to like go back three pages and say, actually, that's where I stopped paying attention. You know, what is happening is it's called mind wandering, and it's having an off task thought during an ongoing task or activity, and so you're telling your brain 
let's read this book and pay attention, but your brain is then going to be distracted and go in different directions. That happens. The latest research says almost half of your waking moments, you're not paying attention to what's going on in front of you. Your mind is taking you in in these um, different directions with distraction. So that's why, right. And so like, especially when you think about efficiency and productivity of us as individuals, right? Like think back to the last performance report or task or paper you had to write. And maybe it took you like three, four hours. Well, half that time you were mind wandering and distracted. It wasn't efficient time focused on the task. So what mindfulness does in training and practice is that it decreases the amount of mind wandering you may experience so that you can stay focused right on your task. So a lot of people will say, well, I don't have time to meditate. Like I don't even have 10 minutes in my day or even one minute in my day, which I would argue we do. We all have minutes because we all get bored and wait in certain places. So that's where you can carve out your time. If, but the other answer to that is you're wasting so much of your mental space during the day when doing a task that takes an hour and it actually takes you two hours because of this distraction. So think about how much more time you get back in your day when you create space for this skill set and this mental skills training. So yeah, that's that's probably the best skill set, this whole idea of doing mindful minutes and doing them, try to do about 10 a day. But even if you just do one a day, you're you're helping yourself, right? And And you're moving in the right direction. And that ability to get to the point where you are, where you're doing these multiple mindful minutes a day, you know, 10 to 12, comes through repetition. And because you're a high performer, right? Repetition means you haven't always succeeded. There's been a lot of failures through there. So what failure has ultimately led to your greatest success? Wow. That's a good question. I've had quite a few failures in my life. I would say, you know, I'm a big believer that when a door closes, even if it's a painful door to see close, there's a window, right? Or another door that's opening for you. If you have the ability to quiet your mind and and hear it. I call it hear your whisper. I like that. I like that a lot. Right? Like we have all this noise and chaos that comes at us. So a lot of times you feel lost or I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I don't know what the right choices are for me. A lot of times it's because you have all these rules, right? These expectations, this noise of the world, these distractions, when you quiet your mind, you can hear your whisper and your whisper really guides you in, in the right direction. I, I do truly believe. And so I will say, just to describe one of my biggest failures, I was a finalist for being a White House fellow at one point in my career. And I thought that that was my path. I was going to get to do this. It was going to create opportunity for me that I didn't even know existed. And to get, you know, like almost to the end and not make it was rather devastating. Like that was a huge failure. And I thought, you know, I didn't do it right or I didn't prepare myself correctly. And what I realized though, like now looking back, it's so much easier to to understand these things. But had I done that particular opportunity at that moment in my life, I would not have completed my dissertation and finished my PhD. Like it was like that year of my life was either going to be dedicated to this White House fellow, which would have been a full-time, really demanding job, or I was going to have the opportunity to finish my my PhD. And obviously, looking back now, this was the right path for me. It was what I was meant to do. It was where I was meant to go. But I saw it as this big failure at the time that I didn't know that I could recover from. 
Um, and so I think we just have to, you know, my whisper was pro- was telling me that there was something else, you know, and, and sometimes we just, our stress doesn't let us uh, hear those whispers. So that's what this practice does as well, right? It helps you really filter through the noise and hear your whisper so you can understand like your intuition and your authenticity and your that purpose, right? That's inside all of us and let it help guide you. So allowing us to kind of calm our mind and hear our whispers and, you know, looking to be versatile in all aspects of life. I'm going to close with a final question. Dr. Janelle McCauley, how are you better today than yesterday? You know, I have a morning mindset routine and it's part of my mental skills practice where every day, you know, if you don't have something to anchor on in the morning, I find that most people wake up and do one of two things. They either wake up and get a pit in their stomach and just think, oh, another day. Like, or they think back again, like, oh, I did this yesterday and I so regret it. Or I can't believe I said that or whatever it was. Or you get up and you check your phone and then you immediately get sucked into some type of, I feel judged. I feel inadequate. These people are better than me. The world is chaos. I'm stressed about political or world events, right? Something. So instead I have a morning mindset routine and it is a way to reset my mind for the day. And what it includes is I take, I I wake up, I take two deep breaths. I set an intention for the day of what I want to get out of it. I recite my personal philosophy, which is the work that I do, especially with the Warrior's Edge program. We help people develop their personal philosophies. So what not describes what they do, but more describes who they are. So I kind of recite my personal philosophy. And then as part of that, I usually say, be better to myself. Because that's all we can do, right? Is move forward and step forward. And that mental practice, helps me genuinely not anchor on any negative energy from the previous day or previous week or previous year. It allows me to reset and really see how I can be better that day. And also understanding, I know you're big on purpose. So I personally have a purpose statement. I think everybody should have a purpose statement. And mine is that I help people achieve peak performance with a focus on passion, purpose, and presence. And so some days I get to do things like this, be on podcasts, teach workshops, give keynote speeches. So I'm helping and impacting people in that way. But on the days I don't, I think about how I can help guide myself in that direction and the kids, right? My kids, the people in my life that rely on me. And so no matter what, I'm executing my purpose, right? Every single day. And that is very powerful as well. That is powerful. And thank you so much for sharing your time with us today and allowing us to be better. And I know you're doing incredible work over with Warriors Edge, which you work with, you know, Coach Pete Carroll from the Seattle Seahawks. Where can people go to contact you, find out more? Because I know you're you're everywhere. <laughs> um, so I have a media uh, social media presence. I will admit I have a very healthy relationship with social media, but anyone can connect with me on any of the platforms under um, Janelle McCauley or Do- Dr. Janelle McCauley. Additionally, I have a website, JanelleMcCauley.com where there's information on my programming, on my work, and then also compete to create.net backslash Warrior's Edge, or if you Google my name in Warrior's Edge. We have a website that really tells about the 16 principles of mindset that we teach. And then you can fill out a form on the website if you're interested in learning more about bringing Warrior's Edge and those mindset principles to your organization. Or we have a digital platform where you can actually 
take the course yourself. It's about eight to 10 hours of a self-paced training in the 16 principles of mindset. So everything from optimism and mindfulness and trust and recovery and part of this self-discovery, understanding your personal philosophy and purpose and vision um, is all inside that platform. So you can have a very unique and customized um, experience in the space of learning some of these mindset skills. Awesome. And we will make sure we link all of that in the show notes. Dr. McCauley, thank you again. It was an absolute pleasure. And of course, thank you for having our six. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And this has been um, just an awesome time with you and your listeners. Sixers, thank you for listening to another episode of the Got Your Six podcast. If you got something out of this, be a battle buddy. Share with a friend, pass it along. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure you leave us a review and give us as many stars as you think we warrant because we love what we do here at the Got Your Six podcast. We're always adapting and evolving this podcast because of you, the Sixers. And if you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button. You'll never miss an episode when we drop new ones every Monday. I don't know what you've been told, Sixers, but the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Got Your Six podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.